0: I was gonna do whatever it took, like whatever. And I remember going to school and um, sitting down with my academic counselor. This is when I went to UConn. And she was like, hey, you know, what do you wanna major in? And this, this is not good advice, but this is just the truth. She was like, what do you wanna do academically? And I was like, I'm here to play football. And she said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I looked at her dead in the eye and said, they already are so it was like it was it was gonna happen i was gonna do whatever it took that was part of the process along the way
1: welcome to what's next with eric wood where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet by learning from high performers in a variety of industries our next guest is dan orlovsky Dan played quarterback in the NFL for 12 years and now works at ESPN and is featured on NFL Live, First Take, and calls games from the booth. You will love Dan's stories of doing whatever it takes to get what you want in life. His advice on what it takes to transition into the NFL and out of the NFL will be applicable to everyone out there listening, regardless if you've played professional sports. There are over 100,000 new podcasts being released each week, so it means the world to me you spent your time tuning into this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this
0: podcast
1: so we can continue to make an impact. Enjoy.
0: Dan, welcome to the show, brother. Good to be with you, man. I know we've we've tried to make it happen for a while now, so I'm, I'm honored, dude. Hey, I've tried to make it happen for a while, and I've been patient because this is a guest
1: that I've been super excited about. I mean, you talk about a guy who had a 12-year NFL career, transitioned so seamlessly into broadcasting, which is a world I I live in somewhat now, too. Uh, But let's get started on you and start where we do with all the guests. Where did you grow up, and what all sports do you play, especially besides football?
0: Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut, a small town in an area in Connecticut called the Valley, which is... Kind of on the the southwestern part of the state, I guess, uh, in a hometown called Shelton, and I, I sports was my everything as a kid, man. Like I just remember every childhood memory I have is attached to sports. I as a kid, I played I guess the three main ones: football, baseball, and basketball. You know, I started playing baseball first at like the age of four. And then football came at like age of nine or something. And then uh, into high school was football, baseball. And then kind of as I transitioned sophomore to junior year, I went strictly football. That's because, did you be honest, football was starting to become more of my recruiting. But also I just flipped a coin. My dad came in one day. I was like, hey, man, you got to decide on one. And um, I was like, I had a bunch of buddies who played baseball, a bunch of buddies played football. So I flipped a coin and it landed on football, man. Wow!
1: Yeah, I, I was basketball and baseball, or basketball and football through high school, and it wasn't much of a coin flip. I started growing wider than I was tall. I stayed the same right. height from about age thirteen on. So that was that. That coin was flipped by God for me, but. <laughs> We won't get into all of our uh, we could talk big east battles of UConn and, and my Cardinals and the fake fair catch in that game. <laughs> we, could, we could get down that road, but the one story I want to hear that involves UConn and you, which I've heard you tell before, which is absolutely hysterical tell me about when Randy Edsel came to watch you <laughs> run your 40 at your high school.
0: Yeah, so listen, I was about uh, I was a kid who was a good athlete, very unathletic. You know, I was never big, uh, uh, strong, powerful jump. I couldn't do any of that. So as a sophomore in high school, I was about six foot five, 180 pounds in a size 15 shoe. Like you could imagine wow. the awkward, right? So it became, became like very clear, like you better figure out how to run faster. This was when the 40 time was really becoming a big deal with sports, as you know. And specifically football. So I'm going into my junior year, and I'm starting to get recruited by schools. But UConn is is planning on going from one AA to one A, and all these schools are calling me the bigger Big Ten schools and ACC schools. But they're all like, "We need to know a 40 time. We need to know a 40 time because I was slow, right?" And so I'm training to try and get my 40 right, and I'm somewhere in like the six to six two range, six point two seconds. Yeah, I'm running, and I know it's a real thing. So Edsel's coming to a spring practice of my junior season and he's like, I want to see you run a 40. And in my mind, I'm like, if I get an offer from UConn that might kickstart more offers. If I don't get an offer from UConn, it ain't, I'm not getting offered by anybody. Right. So I'm on track, our, our track and our football field are down here and our practice fields are up top. And so I'm on the track as coach is coming and I'm warming up with my dad and I just have one cone start, one cone finish. And I'm doing my warm up, and I'm like five, eight five, nine, like in that world. And I'm like, this is a disaster. So I'm on like the, the, the vertical side, not the curl, the turn. I'm on the far vertical side, get warmed up and coach shows up. So my dad goes to meet him. And in the moment I'm like, I got to do something. So I walk down to the far line or I, I run a rep and I walk down to the far cone. And as I turn around, coach and my dad are talking. I start to kick the cone up like three, four, five yards. So I kick the cone up very casually like nothing's happened and I'm like hey coach you know we meet and he's like all right, I want to see one so I run one he times it it's four eight and he goes all right good that's all I needed to see and I go up to practice after practice I get my offer and I just remember being like oh my gosh that 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 was such a big deal and then I went to camp I ended up going to camp to UConn in the summertime I get time and then I'm like five five or five six and he looked at me I was like my hamstring is tight so yeah. I, I, I very much so cheated my way in the 40 to get a scholarship
1: Well, you may have cheated your way in, but – you gave definitely gave them great return on investment. There's not many twelve year NFL quarterbacks coming out of UConn. And you gave Randy Edsel credit for this. I've heard people give it to Nick Saban. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And yeah. I won't say that Dan Orlovsky's a cheater in all aspects of life. I haven't played much golf with him, but uh, Thanks, I, 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 yeah. Everybody can attest that that Dan is not a cheater everywhere in life. But you know what that shows me you're willing to do what it takes. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I know that I can go to Yukon and I can play football. I know I can play. Yeah. Who cares about this 40? I'll do whatever I got to do and I, I'm going to kick the doors down.
0: That's how I was as a kid, man. I think part of it was what my dad instilled in me and then part of it was like the, the culture I grew up in the area, I grew up in the people I grew up in, but like I was going to do whatever it took, like whatever. And I remember going to school and um, sitting down with my academic counselor. This is when I went to Yukon and she was like hey you know what do you want to major in and this is not good advice but this is just the truth she was like what do you want to do academically and i was like i'm here to play football and she said don't put all your eggs in one basket and i looked at her dead in the eye and I said they already are so it was like it was it was gonna happen i was gonna do whatever it took that was part of the process along the way
1: no i I'm with you. And that's how you got to approach things in life. I signed up to be an engineering major at the University of Louisville. I was in a workout, maybe my third workout when I got on the campus. And Bobby Petrino walks into the weight room beelines towards me. And that's that's never a good thing with Coach Petrino. Okay. He's, he's not coming in there to tell me how impressed right. he is with how hard yeah. I'm working. And he looked at me and said, do you want to be an engineer or a football player? And I said, a football player? He said, go change your major. I said, you got it. I walked in. I said, what should I change my major to? The academic advisor said, I don't know. What are you thinking? We started talking. I ended up a political science major and yeah. nothing to do with politics. All that did was drive me even further from politics. But, yeah, yeah I ended up a poli-sci major but played in the NFL. But It worked out. No doubt. So you played 12 seasons in the NFL. Um, you know, training camps are getting going right now. For rookies that are transitioning into the NFL, what advice would you have for them? Just what's, what's one – quick piece of
0: advice you could give them if they want to stick around in the league. Be patiently impatient. Mm. You got to do those things at the same time. Like you got to be patient and understanding that it doesn't happen overnight. You didn't get to the NFL because you flipped a switch or you snapped your fingers and you developed or got faster or stronger or smart. Like that didn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen like that in the NFL, but you also have to be impatient with how you go about your business like, how you go about your work. Like, there has to be an urgency. And on and I know we use the cliche, like, every day. But that's just the truth in the NFL. There has to be an urgency. And you know this. Like, every day you have to go out and attack that day. And you have to work with an urgency. Because most guys – aren't first round picks and aren't going to get a level of leniency. And so like having that mindset at the same time of going, understanding that it takes time to get where you want to get, and it's not going to happen overnight and you're not going to become a pro overnight, but thinking with that urgency, that, that productive paranoia, so to speak of there may not be a tomorrow. And and you, and and having that urgency, you have to be patiently impatient as a pro
1: that that's so powerful right there. So spot on too, because you, you said it, there's not a lot of leniency for most of an NFL roster. Yeah. When you walk into the building each day, your job's up for grabs, your job's up for grabs at after each and every game. I, I did a speaking event recently for uh, university of Louisville basketball, and I was watching them And in, in, during drills, they practiced really hard, but then they had this nonchalant look about them. And I don't know if they see it from the NBA guys. And I yeah. said, I said, I know you guys think this is cool, and I'm not picking on you guys. I said, I know you think this is cool, but you know where it's not cool at the next level because if you might see James Harden walk like that in between drills because he can. But, like, yeah. the rest of the roster doesn't because yeah. when the owner walks in the building, when the GM
0: walks in, your job's up for grabs right. every single day. That was yeah. great. I, and I would tell you, know, I would tell kids this all the time too because I'd be in locker rooms, as you know, and they'd, they'd come in and be like, hey – I was in year 10 or 11, 12, and they were like, how did you do it? And I would tell them, Don't, I didn't focus on having a 12-year career. I was fortunate. I, have a good day. Like, try to have a good day in camp. Because what happens if you have one good day, then the next day, just try to have a good day. And then you look back and you're like, man, I just had a good week of training camp. If that's your focus. And then all of a sudden, you look back and be like, oh, I, I made the team. I just I, I had a good camp. And then all of a sudden, you look back and you're like, oh, I just had a good rookie year. Right. It's just day. And then you'll look back 12 years later and like, man, that's a good career. You know, it's, it's, you don't look at the result. You don't look at the end game. You just try to stay where you are. And if you have a good day, great. If you have a bad day, great. You just try to have a good day.
1: Man. This is why I was so willing uh, to be so flexible with Dan and trying to just ping-pong dates with him for months now because I knew that there was going to be a bunch of gold that came from this. And so many people think that the most desirable position in all of sports is backup quarterback. And you started plenty in your NFL career, but you played towards the later part of your career as a backup. Maybe enlighten those out there where maybe it's not all sunshine and rainbows as a backup quarterback in the NFL.
0: Because the work that you put in, you have the opportunity to reap the results of it. And I don't. Backups didn't. We would put in the work, but we've never had the opportunity to reap the results. You know, oh, okay. I woke up Monday and I I ate the right way and I trained the right way and I started to watch all this tape. And then you wake up Tuesday and you do the same thing and you're taking care of your body and you're studying, you're learning the game plan. Wednesday, you're going out to practice and you're practicing hard and you're spending 14 hours of your day getting ready for the potential of your job. Thursday, the same thing. Friday, the same thing. Saturday, the same thing. Sunday comes, you're just there. You're on the sideline kicking it. And you don't have the opportunity because in sports, the, the cool thing about sports is you get to Choose how much you want to work to reap the reward of what you want to get the end result of what you want. And as a backup quarterback, you don't get to do that. You have to put in the work just like the starter does. And you have to be ready, but you don't get to feel the fruit of that work or, or, or get the reward of that work. And that's, I always say this term, like I had to brainwash myself and that's not, in a negative connotation like you got to brainwash yourself and every like Wednesdays was a huge competitive day and Thursday and Friday but it's still not game day right. where everybody else in every position gets to go out on game day and and have their results be in direct correlation to their work and it, as a backup quarterback you just never had that.
1: You're exactly right. And you're preparing for something. uh, And you're preparing for game day because you play the most important position in all of professional sports. And so the weight of the entire franchise is on you if you go in the game. So you have to be ultimately prepared to try to not miss a beat if you have to go in the game. And then so often, and, and what I would say to that as well, those out there that are saying the backup quarterback's position is the best reason the best position in professional sports I would say that's probably why you didn't play professional sports and I'm not trying to pick on people out there but if that's your mindset that doesn't get you to that position because for every you know let's say Matt Barkley I I call the Bills game so Matt Barkley Matt Barkley didn't start an NFL career saying man I want to be Josh Allen's backup no he has a servant's heart he's going to do everything he can to help Josh succeed but man you put Matt Barkley in a game he wants to win and he's prepared And so, and so I would say that you probably would never get that position if if you did think that was that. What was the hardest part about transitioning out of the NFL for you?
0: My transition was pretty quick, going from player to television. I think the hardest part was knowing that everything that I had known identity, not I want to say identity-wise, but everything that I had done as an adult was done. You know, like I went from football as a teen, to football as an early 20s, to football till I was 34 years old. That's all I had known. And I'm not just talking intellectually. I'm just talking, it had set the rhythm of our life, of my life, certainly. But I was married with four kids when I got done. So it had set the rhythm of our family's life. And then all of a sudden you get done and you're like, what? I'm 34. I'm almost 35. Like, what, what happens now? Where do I go now? And I, and, and as much as you kid yourself, and I say this with my wife all the time, oh, I played 12 years in the NFL. So, I we kind of kid ourselves that we were just going to seamlessly flow into what was next. But, you know, life moves on financially. And life moves on um, interest-wise. You know, and, and we had four kids and you know, for some reason, I thought I was just going to live in that same house that we had built when I was 32 and we were going to live in the same area and I wasn't really going to work. And then all of a sudden you get like six months into it and you're like, well, our family's ex- we have an expensive family. So that- that's a reality. Um, I'm bored out of my mind. My kids are in school. So, you know, I think that was just that that instead of running from it and being scared of it, like almost embracing it and, and appreciating the new kind of doors, avenues, um, opportunities that were going to come from it.
1: Yeah, I feel you 100% there. You know, my career ended so abruptly, but I had always joked with Leslie, like, I'll be a stay-at-home dad. We have two young kids. You know, yeah. we had just built our dream house the year before in Louisville. Like, that'll be home. It's all good. You know, I'll be yeah. content to play golf and show up in charity scrambles. And, and I've heard you said before – if you're not wired to be a stay-at-home dad, and I have the utmost respect to stay-at-home moms, that's a 24-7 job. I'm just not a stay-at-home dad. I wish I was wired that way. I'd have so much more contentment and peace in my life. So you transitioned into broadcasting, getting on TV, but that season prior to you being on TV, I saw you all over Twitter making homemade videos in your living room, and they were excellent breakdowns. It was great stuff. When you were doing that, was that because of a lack of opportunity? Were you trying to sharpen your skills? What was,
0: what was that process like for you? That was me kicking the cone ahead of my 40-yard dash, to be honest with you. Like, that, that was, it was, you know, I, I believed that, one, people desired that content when it came to stuff. Two, I loved it. Again, I was a high school kid that was really slow, so watching tape, And learning about the little things of tape became like my love language. I went to UConn. When we were there, we were always going to be less talented than everybody else. So how are we going to close that talent gap, studying tape, figuring out what you were going to do before you did it so I knew and then I could get us into ideal situations. And then I was a backup for my whole career for most of it. So like learning different offenses, how to – I wasn't going to play. So how was I going to impact our organization to prove me worthy of the job? So all the intellectual aspect of the the football stuff, I had a really good grasp on Played in a bunch of different offenses, learned a bunch of different schemes. And that was kind of my wheelhouse. So I, I felt people wanted it. I, I was really comfortable and I felt like nobody in the world could do it that way. I didn't, I honestly didn't, I didn't think that anybody in the world could do what I was doing And social media was free. And so I did it once to my wife's kind of conviction. She was like, you should do this. It happened Sunday night football. I remember it was Carolina versus Miami. Miami was bringing all out pressure. Cam saw it, changed the play at the line of scrimmage, wide receiver screen, touchdown. And in the moment I'm like, dude, that is dope. Like if if people knew how cool that was, and she was like, make a video. Okay. So I do the phone thing. This is turn my phone sideways, mute the television, walk people through it, post it on social media. And I did not think social media was a thing back then. Um, I wasn't a fan of it. And it went viral. And in that moment, I was like, that's my end. That's, that's the thing that I show that I can do and nobody else can do it. And so that, it just became something that I was doing. It gained traction. It opened up the door for me. Peter Schrager from NFL Network called me music. Like, can you come do this on Good Morning Football? That's a no brainer for me. And it just, it really snowballed from there.
1: If you didn't make the correlation to the 40-yard dash, I was going to afterwards because that was you doing whatever it took to get into the industry, and you could do it from home. And there's so many people out there that are utilizing social media through this time, and there's so many people that are out there fighting for what they want. And I give you credit for it, and I agree, you are the best. My favorite one you've ever done, and this is and and this is just because it was on the TV copy. I I didn't see it, and when you showed it, it was the throwback pass to Eric Fisher. And yeah. he wiped his gloves off on Mahomes towel before the play. Like, but they also shielded him because if the defensive lineman saw him over there messing yep. with his gloves, that was my favorite one. I mean, I, yeah. I made the biggest deal about that in our household. I was like, Les, you guys see this? I said, I can do a lot of what Dam does. I'm not as good looking as him. I'm not as well spoken. I don't know all the ins and outs of the quarterback position, but a lot of it I can do. I said, This is money like this right here you, is incredible last one for me because i want to be so respectful of your time dan is doing this for those not watching dan is doing this from the nfl live set so this is uh or sorry he just came off a of first take he's
0: got no, but that's, that's just a screen this is our nfl live set this is the big nfl studio at espn so it has the ability to kind of do everything bro it's a pretty sick setup
1: Yeah, so you don't even have to move. They just shift your chair, and now you go from one to the next. But there's, and we'll get the recurring questions because people are going to die to know about your faith and you as a dad and your favorite books because you are so intellectual. But just because so many Bills fans are tuned in, give me a prediction for Josh Allen and the Bills this year. I mean, he had such a great year last year. The progression for him has been incredible. Can he duplicate that
0: success? Absolutely, because they kept Brian Dable, the offensive line remained intact, and those skill position players were there, and I think Gabe Davis is a huge part of that. I know what Bees is going to bring, and I know what Stephon's going to bring, but Gabe Davis kind of stepping forward and being another pass caption option, it kind of balances out that offense, what they can do pass game-wise, and I think we've seen this from Josh, you know, and and I remember when Josh was coming out, I had some questions. Okay, can he handle the, the protections and his eye discipline? And he's just grown so much from that. And I remember a buddy of mine who grew up around him was just raving about his work ethic. And he was like, I'm just telling you, this kid is maniacal in his work ethic. And I love when a player goes, I'm really good at X, but I know what I need to work on. And they just attack it with like this psychotic type of mindset. And it seems like Josh has done that. And so I only expect him to, people continue to point to last year. I went back and watched 2019. And if you go watch like the last 10 games of 2019, he's lights out as well. I think in his last 30 starts, he's got like 76 touchdowns and 13 picks. It's pretty un- un- incredible. So he, I, I yeah, I, I would say this, the Buffalo Bills are the number one threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think that they can match up toe to toe for them. If there's three teams in in the AFC that have a quarterback that can go toe to toe with Mahomes, Buffalo's one of them. And I don't know if there's three. So yeah, I I expect them to absolutely be playing in the final four.
1: Well, Bill's fans would love to hear that because there's no one more intellectual on the quarterback position working in media than you. So Dan, I appreciate your time. Thank you for taking time to pour into me, pour into these listeners. Um, You have such an incredible story of work ethic, determination, getting where you're at, uh, putting your foot in the ground, but then being an all-around great person, great dad, great husband, that's what it's all about. Thank you so
0: much, brother. You're a good man, bro. I appreciate those words. Thank you. Let me take a moment now to let
1: you know about a product that I used when I was playing in the NFL and still use to this day, and that is can. UCAN fueled me while I was playing with its patented super starch that does not spike your blood glucose, gives you consistent energy, and controls cravings. It would give me that edge I needed in practice and in workouts, and especially on game day. Now I use it to fuel me in everyday life, and especially my times around workouts and big golf matches. Use the link in the show notes and use code ERIC25 to get 25% off your purchase. Go live your optimal life by using the best energy source out there, and that is from the products by UCAN. This episode is also brought to you by Punched Energy Chews, and these have become a favorite product of mine for energy and fitness. They use a patented formula with tons of scientific studies, and they start with pure green Arabica coffee bean caffeine. It improves your physical and mental performance, increases your metabolism helps burn calories and body fat and they also help boost your immunity which is very important at this time because they're a great source of vitamin c they're also ultra low glycemic no spikes no bounces and no crashes what you're going to do is go to punchedenergy.com use code ericwood20 for 20 percent off give them a try link in the show notes Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or with your followers on social media. Also, shoot us a rating and support the sponsors whose information is in the show notes. Until next time, as I tell my daughter before she leaves for school every day, spread some joy and make it the best day ever.